The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com. Here's a question I received from Rahul. Hi, Dr. Kenner. I am a fresh college graduate and recently started working in a multinational company. My question is, why do I get frustrated from working in the same company and living the same boring life every day? I don't know what my passion is, so I have no other choice but to stay in the job. It creates a lot of mental pressure, leading to harmful thoughts in my mind like self-harming or quitting life. Please give some tips on how to overcome these feelings and how to fight back in such kinds of situations. So first, Raul, you want to get therapy ASAP because you certainly don't want to be harming yourself or quitting life. And I highly recommend a book, Choosing to Live, by Dr. Thomas Ellis and Dr. Corey Newman. They're both cognitive therapists. You could probably get it online. And that is very, very helpful. It's a wonderful book to see that self-harming doesn't solve anything. So given that, you really want to challenge the idea that you have no other choice. You are not helpless. All of us, including myself and my husband and my kids, we've all at periods in our time have felt lost. We don't know what direction we're going in. And that's that's the same case for everyone. And we can get trapped in jobs that we don't like. I know I did that. I chose multiple jobs during my schooling and after that where I know that they weren't a match for me. And I could have trapped myself in them and then I would have been in the same situation you're describing, that I'm not living my values. I'm not living something I enjoy doing every day. For example, accounting. I was helping my husband with some secretarial office work. And, you know, it's exciting when you first start and it becomes boring soon after. I worked in an infant lab running studies on how infants could discriminate colors or sound or shapes. And that was very interesting for three years and then became very boring. So you don't want to trap yourself in a job. You want the attitude that you can grow. Now that required my doing a lot of thinking. And during that transition period, you don't know what you want. And there's a book that's helpful. I could do anything if only I knew what it was. And that's by Barbara Sher, S-H-E-R. And Barbara has a lot of exercises in it which can help you find what you're interested in and shift direction. There are also career books. Uh, What Color Is My Parachute is one that I remember looking at long ago. Um, And there are also, if you don't understand your own moods, you need to be able to read your own emotions. So if you're staying in the same boring job and you don't know what your passion is, you want the skill of how to introspect and look for little nuggets, little gems of things that you've been interested in the past. What do I like? What career would I enjoy? What skills do I have that are transferable to a better skill? If you don't like this multinational company, you don't have to leave right away. But as long as you know that you have an out plant and the out isn't hurting yourself, the out is a different job or a different pathway, then your mind will start to look for possibilities. You'll start to connect or network with other people who are in a career that you could enjoy more. And that's effortful. It's the whole job search. What do I want to do with the rest of my life? And you want to embrace that rather than look at it as impossible to do. So I'm glad that I found 
my interests. I'm glad that I took the risks I took in getting back into graduate school after I had been out of college for many years. And I love the career path that I chose. Had I stayed on one of my other paths, I would not have been happy. It would have been a mistake in my life. And I hope that you don't make that same mistake, that you caught it soon enough and you can turn it around for yourself. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner, and my show is The Rational Basis of Happiness. And I have a very quick question here. Uh, Dear Dr. Kenner, are there any books on how to learn active listening that you recommend? Well, the first question is, what is active listening? And that's not putting in your own two cents every two seconds when, say, your kids are talking to you, your husband's talking to you, your wife is talking to you, or a friend is talking to you. It's you monitoring what they're saying looking at them so your body language is totally open to hearing what they're saying not planning what you're going to buy at the market a few minutes later not tuning them out but listening and then letting them know that you're listening and sometimes that just involves saying "Uh uh-huh Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. Yeah, and then what happened? It's like you're tracking it. You're they. You let them know that you, that um, you're hearing them. If you're trying, if you want to learn listening skills, there is a book, Getting Through to People, which is very good. It's by Jesse Nuremberg. It's an older book, but it's the techniques of persuasion: how to break through the mental and emotional barriers between people. And there's also a wonderful book, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. And that applies to anyone, how to talk so my husband will listen and listen so my husband will talk. And finally, the book that I wrote with Dr. Ed Locke, The Selfish Path to Romance, How to Love with Passion and Reason. We have a section on making yourself lovable, learning how to communicate, uh, communicating constantly in romantic relationships and resolving conflicts. So I can recommend, highly recommend that, uh, that you can get that on Amazon in the first chapters free. And here's a little more from Dr. Ken. This last week with Dad, it's been a living hell. When I'm there, I feel like my territory is being violated. When I'm not, I'm worried about what he's up to. Look at me, look at me, I'm a nervous wreck. You don't still have the brochures from those those rest homes, do you? But do you really think that's necessary? I'm afraid I do. I don't have my life anymore. You don't suppose there's a a chance that you and Maris could... (laughs) Dear God, no. And that's from Fraser. And that sentence, I don't have my life anymore. Think of it. It's not just with maybe an elderly parent moving back in, but maybe your kids moving back in after they had left for college or for a career. Maybe they're divorced and they're coming back to live with you. There is that sense of, I don't have my life anymore. I don't own my own home. I don't own my own time. And I'm worried. I feel like uh, in the case of Fraser, that was Fraser with Niles, obviously, But in the case there, he's afraid that, can I trust dad when I'm out of the house? You know, what will he be doing? And if I'm there, there's absolutely no privacy. So there are lots of problems when someone comes to move in with you, even if it's a distant relative. How do you keep your boundaries? Are you good at doing that? Are you good at saying no in a way that's tactful, not no, get out of my hair, but tactful? Are you okay with saying, no, it's not okay to live here the way Niles did, although he was quick to say, not in my backyard. (laughs) He didn't want dad there. But you really need to negotiate. If someone's coming to move back in, especially if you're a couple and you're letting uh, an elderly parent move back in with you, 
you really need to have a lot of conversations about all the situations that could arise. Of course, you can't anticipate all of them and figure out how to work in a way that works for everyone and to have an out if it doesn't work. Like they said, if your parent needs to go to a nursing home or assisted living, that might be the solution.